Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Well, happy Sunday, everybody. I hope you're doing good today. I am. It happens to be the end of our wonderful family vacation we take every year, and I'm taking this opportunity to speak to you in the beautiful sunshine. I may be squinting a little bit, but don't begrudge the sun. We had a hard time getting some sun when we first started down here, and it's really, really beautiful today. I'm so grateful. I wanted to take this opportunity to talk to you to start out a series we're going to have for the next few Sundays about wisdom. We sure need to be wise in this world, don't we? I wanted to tell you something. Now, they say that the Duke, John Wayne, is the guy who said this. I'm not sure if he did or not, but whoever said it, it certainly is true, and it sounds like him. He said, life is hard. It's even harder if you're stupid. (laughs) That's funny, but it sure is true. I'd kind of like to flip it in a little bit more gentle way today and say that life is hard, but it's easier if you have wisdom, particularly God's wisdom. Now, James, Jesus' brother, excuse me, uh, he wrote a letter to people who were Jesus' followers, and he told them at the very beginning a very encouraging word. He said this, it's James 1, 5, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. And he will not rebuke you or make fun of you for asking. Boy, that's good news for us. We just need to ask God in a humble spirit and be willing to do what he has to say. And he will give us the wisdom we need. The hardest part is not actually getting the wisdom. It's humbling ourselves to ask him because lots of times we just plunge into things with our own wisdom. But he's willing to give it to us if we ask. Now, we need to realize that knowledge and wisdom are two very different things. Knowledge is simply the accumulation of facts. Wisdom is knowing what to do with those facts and actually understanding them when you have them. Wisdom is something awesome and amazing, and we can only get it from God. We can only get true wisdom from Him. You know, you can be a very smart person and still be very foolish, right? I mean, we all know that. It takes wisdom, God's help. He is the giver of wisdom, and that's what we want. We don't want to be the smartest person in the world, but still a fool. We want to be wise. What does God's wisdom look like? Well, I can tell you for sure that it looks very different than what we have in the natural. It's very different than the world's wisdom. James tells us about that too, how we can know it when we see it. This is James 3, verses 17 and 18. Listen. The wisdom that comes from heaven or comes from above, comes from God, is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. I want to take just a few minutes with you this morning, truly just a few, and look at those words and see what they really mean so we can be wise people in this world. He says pure, first of all. First of all, it is pure. It means free from stain. You know, we have a a great big deck at our house. We've had it for, oh, probably 20 years or so. And a couple of years ago, I remember when our friend Della gave it a really good power wash. Oh, my goodness. Was I surprised as that happened. 
it looked pretty good to me before she power washed it, but Charlie and her thought it needed to be done. And oh my goodness, as she used that power spray, layers and layers of grime and mildew and all kinds of stuff, dirt that the rain never washed away and our simple hosing never washed away, layers and layers of grime came off of that. All the stains came off of it. And suddenly the deck was a completely different color than it had been before. It was a pure deck, pure wood. Do you know what you and I need? We need the Holy Spirit to power wash our hearts. Why? Well, because living in life, we get layers and layers of grime in our heart. We, we get bitterness and, and we get grudges and anger and, and all kinds of things that build up in our hearts. And, and it, when it shows out to the world, it's stained. It's not pure. And what comes out of us is not pure. It's really, really not helpful. If we don't have the Holy Spirit power wash our soul from time to time, the things that we show to the world are not attractive. They're certainly not pure. James said, purity comes first and without it, nothing else matters. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8, this is really important. It was recorded from the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Now, most of the time we kind of assume that means that if you're pure in heart, you're going to get to go to heaven. You're going to see God there. Actually, that's not what Jesus was talking about at all. And he, he explains later. The pure in heart, people who have a pure heart, they actually see God. They actually have an intimacy with him and they're able to see the world in a different way. Jesus said in another place, he said, to the pure, everything is pure. To the impure, everything is impure. That's, that's why, you know, there are certain kind of people that they suspect everything. They see a conspiracy in everything. Why? Well, it's where their, their own heart, Jesus says, it's, it's out of the heart that the mouth, mouth speaks. When we suspect other people all the time, it's telling you something about us. It's telling us something about our own untrusting and, and perhaps untrustworthy heart. Jesus said, <clears throat> that when our hearts are pure, we see God. We see God in everything. We see goodness in everything. We're able to see him working in circumstances that no one else sees. So you and I need to start with purity. That's what James says. Now, a little warning here. Purity will put you out of touch with most of the world. This is a very impure world. In fact, if you have a pure heart, it's going to put you a little bit out of touch with most of the people that you know. And so, you know, your opinions are going to be different than theirs. They're going to be kinder. They're going to be, they're going to be less abrasive. And it may not make you popular with everybody all the time. So just a warning, just a, you know, a caveat here at the beginning. If you are unwilling to be popular, uh, if you just can't give up being popular all the time, you're not going to get God's wisdom because God's wisdom is, is always the best, but not always popular in the moment. Okay, so then James tells us it's first of all pure, and then after that it is peace-loving. Do you know anybody that just seems like they just don't want to get along? I do. I bet you do too. They'd rather fight than talk. They'd rather tell you how wrong you are than listen. They're always right. They, they say things like on, on Facebook, you know, if you don't like what I said, unfriend me. You know, they're just not peace-loving. That sort of wisdom brings chaos wherever it goes. God said that. I didn't say that. God said that peace-lovers bring peace wherever they go. That when they walk into a room, things get better. 
A person who's not a peacemaker, who's not peace-loving, when they walk into a room, the tension goes up. Everybody starts wondering about where they can step and how they need to tiptoe around. See, God's wisdom is different. God's wisdom, if you have it, it makes you peace-loving. You love peace. And so wherever you go, instead of being an, an agent of argument and debate and differences, you're an agent of reconciliation and healing. A peace loving person brings peace wherever they go and that's a sign of God's wisdom so just ask yourself this morning are you a peacemaker or a peace breaker another thing James says is that that God's wisdom is gentle and considerate actually the words that's used here in the Greek means non-combative not quarrelsome not easily annoyed ouch that not easily annoyed part can kind of get me. How about you? It, it does me. But this is the kind of wisdom. This is the part of wisdom of God's wisdom that keeps you calm and keeps you Christ-like when you're under pressure. You and I need this kind of wisdom at home. We need it uh, with our spouses. We need it with our children. We need it with our neighbors. We need it at work. We need it when we're driving in traffic. We need it when we're hearing the news. We need it when we're talking politics. We need it all across the board. We need it when we're on social media. We need it when we're criticized unjustly. We need the wisdom that is gentle and considerate. You say, wow, that's just even hard to be motivated to be that way in this world. Well, I'll tell you how you can be motivated. If you're a Jesus follower, think about how he treats you. Think about how he is with you. Psalm 103.10 says that God does not treat us as our sins or our actions deserve. We're so quick to give people what they deserve. But if we imitate Jesus, we'll be gentle and considerate. Not quick to give them what they deserve, but because Jesus has done it for us and because he's witnessing the way we live, God's wisdom teaches us to be gentle and considerate with other people. Aren't you glad you haven't gotten all you deserved? I'm sure glad I haven't. And it motivates me to be kind and gentle and considerate with other people. That's God's wisdom. Another thing James tells us about God's wisdom is that it is submissive and will, willing to yield to others. That is so different from worldly wisdom. Worldly wi wisdom, the kind that we see most every day, well, not most every day, every day we see it, that kind of wisdom is arrogant and proud. It's stubborn. It will not listen. Has This kind of wisdom, earthly wisdom, has no desire to hear another person's opinion because it's always right. I'm always right. I don't need to hear your opinion. I don't need to hear what you have to say because I already know what is right. Wow. That's earthly wisdom. It's not submissive. It's not willing to yield to others. This kind of wisdom, when it comes out in a person, it uses sarcasm to put other people down. It attacks instead of questions. They don't ask questions to learn more. They just want you to shut up and listen. That's worldly wisdom. It's not God's wisdom. This kind of wisdom is the master of the put down and, and clever lines. God's wisdom is nothing like that. The Greek word here for submissive or willing to yield to others means listen carefully. God's wisdom, wisdom listens carefully to other people because we assume that another person might have something to teach us. We don't assume that we know it all. We don't assume that we have it all together. We don't have that. We're willing to submit to truth and we're willing to receive truth from anybody. Now don't don't mistake this for being a pushover. If you're a rather combative person and pretty aggressive, you might be saying, well, I'd rather be that than a pushover. This is not a pushover. Jesus was certainly not a pushover. And God's wisdom is not found in a pushover. 
This is a person who is passionate about their convictions, but doesn't have to argue about them. This is a person who assumes that there's always more to be learned, and maybe the other person has a piece of wisdom that they don't have. They don't have all the truth of the universe. This is the kind of person who is willing to listen respectfully to people with whom he disagrees because he believes he can always learn more. Let me ask you this morning, I'm asking myself too, can we disagree agreeably? Can we listen respectfully to a, a person who is different than us and who feels differently than we do? Can we express deep convictions without temper or tantrums or without condescension? If we can, it's a sign that we have God's wisdom. James also says that God's wisdom, the kind of wisdom that comes from him, is merciful. Wow, this is a world without mercy. We are so quick to criticize other people. We're so quick to tell another race or another gender or whatever how it is. We're just so quick to tell them how it is, and we haven't walked an hour in their shoes. We don't know how it is from their perspective. We don't know that. We're not merciful enough to, to care about that. God's wisdom is merciful. And you know that mercy is more than a feeling. If all it is is a feeling, you just kind of feel sorry for somebody. But if it's, if it's mercy like God's has, God has, it moves into action. Sympathy is, is only good for somebody if you put it into action. Now, we live in a very unmerciful world, as I said. Payback is the word. If someone hurts me, I'm going to hurt you worse. And God have mercy on your poor, wretched soul if you hurt my family. Because if you hurt my family, my tribe, I am getting you. Wow. That's the way the world lives. And it's easy to just respond back in kind. But God calls every one of us to a higher standard. His wisdom is not that way at all. Listen, because of his mercy, God sent Jesus and Jesus willingly came to die for us when we didn't even come close to deserving it. We deserve nothing else. Think of, think of how your life would be if you got everything you deserved. I think of how mine would be, and I'm glad God doesn't do that for me. Think back now. How has God treated you? What has his mercy looked like in your life? Has he given you what, deserve, what you deserved? Has he overlooked your faults? Has he not paid you back? Has he been kind to you when you've been unkind uh, in your dealings with other people, when you've been unkind with him? Do that. Be like God. Be merciful. That's God's wisdom. Then James tells us that this wisdom of God is impartial. It means having the same standard for yourself as you have for other people. It means you have the same standard all the time, that you are free from favoritism and prejudice. You know, when a person says, I'm not prejudiced, I, I have no bias, it's a very sure sign that they do, and they're so blind to it. All of us have it. We all have a bias in one way or another. We need God to help us with that. One of the ways we can tell that we're not impartial is the fact that we'll be different in public than we are in private. We'll treat one group different than we treat another group. We will uh, treat other people different than we treat ourselves. We give ourselves slack that we won't give to other people. I, I think about um, when I was a teenager and you know I had two younger brothers and when I baked chocolate chip cookies at home, I was always quick to give myself some of that chocolate chip cookie dough. It tasted so good. But if my brothers came through the kitchen and tried to stick their fingers in the batter and get some, it would tick me off. And I would tell them, don't do that. We're trying to bake some cookies around here. You're eating all the dough. 
treated them different than I did myself. That's not impartiality. God's wisdom does not work like that. I treat myself the same way as I treat other people. It's impartial. I give other people the slack I give myself. God's wisdom, James says, is sincere. That word in the Greek, which was the original language that uh, James wrote in, <coughs> that <coughs> word means without hypocrisy. It means I'm not a hypocrite. I'm totally sincere. What you see is what you get. I'm the same way all the time. I'm not two-faced. People don't talk to me and wonder if I really meant what I said. If I'm sincere, people don't wonder if I said the same thing to them that I said to somebody else. Sincerity is having one face all the time. We say what we mean, and we mean what we say all the time. Now, this word in the Greek uh, came from the ancient Greek plays. You've probably all seen the two masks they, they have around theaters, uh, the, the mask without a forehead. It's just a face mask, and there's two of them. One is a happy face, and one is a sad face. Uh, that is symbolizing the early Greek dramas where one, one actor would have maybe five or six different masks, and he'd play five or six different roles in the same play. Now, in a play, in drama, that's okay. But in life, all it does is add drama. It adds bad stuff. It is deadly in life. It is very unwise. And it, it means that I can't have a blasting post on Facebook or a blasting post on Twitter where I just really let people have it and I, and I say these harsh things. I can't do that. And then go to church and raise my hand in worship and claim that I'm a sincere follower of Jesus Christ. You say, oh, you're stretching it too far. You're taking it too far, Brenda. You're just not, oh, no. oh, really? Listen to me. This is what James says, James chapter 3, verse 10. Out of the same mouth comes praises to God and then curses to men who he has made in his own likeness. You say, well, my Facebook posts, I don't cuss in them. No, but you call people idiots. You put down people who believe differently than you do, who think differently than you do. It's the same as cursing them. You're condescending. You're putting them down. And this is what James says, my brothers and sisters, he's talking to Christians, this should not be. He's shocked. He's saying, how can you do this? and claim that you have God's wisdom. Listen, we need to be sincere. We need to be the same when we're worshiping at church as we are when we're posting on Facebook, as we are when we're talking to our families and talking to our friends. That is wise, that's God's wisdom. And then James concludes by saying that God's wisdom helps us remember that we reap what we sow. We always do. Now, a lot of times we will plant things that we don't want to reap, and we're surprised when we reap them. Charlie and I planted one garden ever. <clears throat> Excuse me, we were not good gardeners, so we only did it this one year. But we planted this little garden, and not much was growing. And one morning I went out there, and it seemed as though almost overnight this beautiful round watermelon showed up in our garden. And I was so shocked, and I called Charlie, and I said, look, what is this? And he started laughing, and he said, well, it's a watermelon. What did you expect? That's what we planted. That's the way it is, friends. We get what we plant. We reap what we sow. James reminds us, peacemakers who sow peace raise a harvest of righteousness or a harvest of rightness, of things that God can bless. Now, anger and foolishness, it reaps a harvest too, but it's completely different. They're very, very different. Anger, the, the thing that is not peace-loving, 
man's wisdom produces more violence and hatred. You never convince anybody to your side when you're angry and taunting and criticizing and attacking people using your own wisdom. You never convince anybody. You're talking to your own choir. The only people that like your stuff are the people who already feel the same way you feel. In other people, it just produces more violence and more argument, and it increases the hatred between people. You don't win anything that way. No one is convinced by that. On the other hand, someone who has God's wisdom has peace. And James says it, it reaps a harvest of rightness, of mercy and love and goodness and lack of chaos. Now, living this wise way is not natural or easy because it goes exactly against the flow of the world. This foolish world loves a fight and foolish people in the foolish world love a fight. We think we're being courageous when we're actually being very foolish in God's eyes. We think we're saying bold, awesome things when actually God is clucking his tongue and saying, oh, sad, how foolish that person is. The reason that, the, that we do it is because our world loves a fight. Aggressiveness sells, controversy sells, bad news sells. All of that gets a crowd, but it's not the wise way to live. Now, so you may be thinking, well, I think God's speaking to me here. I, I kind of recognize myself in some of the things that Pastor Brenda is saying this morning. And remember, it's not me that said him. It was God through James. Maybe you're thinking, I recognize that. And I, I, I really think I need to try harder. Let me tell you from my own experience and from God's wisdom, trying harder only gets you so far. It just really doesn't work. Because James tells us that this kind of wisdom comes from above. It comes from heaven. It comes from God. And so the only way we can have it is by a work of grace, God's grace in our hearts. That's the only way it will ever be. Without it, we're in trouble. We got to have God's grace to give us a, a power washing on the deck of our hearts and to, to give us a pure heart that actually desires to be all of these things that James says the wisdom is. We have to have God's grace. If we don't have God's grace that gives us God's wisdom, you know what? will happen to us in our homes, if we don't have it in our homes, we will continue to spiral down into a pit of backbiting and hatred, we'll, we'll turn into this chaotic, angry mess, or we will be so flimsy and fickle, we will stand for nothing. We have to have God's wisdom in order to live in rightness. So how do we get God's wisdom? James says, we have to sow seeds of peace. We don't want to spiral down into the, the place that our world is today. We want to be able to help our world get out of this mess. So we have to sow seeds of peace. How do we do that? <clears throat> Excuse me. How do, we, how do we sow seeds of peace in this angry world? Well, for me, one of the seeds is when I'm ready to fire off an angry email, when I'm ready to just post a post that it spills all my wisdom out and <laughs> not God's. When I'm ready to do that angry thing, I sow seeds of peace by praying instead of sending it, instead of posting it. Loving my enemies and do good, doing good to them when they're, when they're mean to me, when they're angry to me, that's the way. You say, I don't think you have any enemies. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. We all do. If you're a Jesus follower, you're going to get enemies too. You will. But we sow seeds of peace by loving our enemies, blessing the people who persecute us, and doing good. Another way to sow seeds of peace is to listen more and talk less. That's a hard one, but it works. It helps. It's God's wisdom. And then 
it helps me sow seeds of peace when I decide not to argue, but to be persuadable, to slow down and listen to what the other person says and see if God might be giving them some truth that I need to learn. Listen, friends, if you and I hope to do anything that is truly useful and truly godlike and truly lasting in a powerful way that leads to rightness in this world, in our own homes, and in straightening out this horrible mess that we find ourselves in now, we must have God's wisdom. We have to have his, not ours. I want to pray with you about that this morning. Now listen, I'm praying for me because I need God's wisdom. You pray for you while I lead us in prayer together, all right? Oh God, first of all, first of all, Help me be hungry for a pure heart. Send the power wash of the Holy Spirit to my heart time and time again to keep me pure. Help me be a peacemaker, not a peace breaker. Help me reply gently and with consideration instead of anger and pushiness. Oh God, deliver me from the feeling that I always have to defend myself. Deliver me from believing that I'm always right. Open up my eyes to see the hurting and my heart to actually truly care about what others may not see. Help me to be free from favoritism and prejudice and bias that right now I don't even see. Open my eyes to see the ways that I actually live wrongly. Help me see that. Lord, help me be a person with integrity. Help me have just one face. Help my life be an open book and my worship be an all-day-long thing, not just in church on Sunday. Help me plant seeds that will be a harvest of right living and peace for myself, for my family, and for my world. I ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, the ultimate peacemaker. Amen. Well, hey, I'm so glad that you are with us this, this day, this beautiful Sunday. Here's what I'm hoping you'll do. I'm hoping that this week you'll work pretty hard to memorize James chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, or write it on cards and put it around in various places and see how God helps you assimilate this truth into your lives. I'm also hoping that you'll join us for the rest of the series. Every week you'll get a question or two that's going to help you make wise decisions and live with wisdom in your world. And then I want to tell you that if Jesus in any way spoke to you about getting a pure heart today, please go to our journey starting point on the post. In just a minute, they'll tell you how to do that. And then I'm hoping that all of you who have a dad or are a dad will stop by our executive offices today on this Father's Day. We love you so much and we want to show you how. It's been so good to be with you. God is good and he's working in us. Now receive the blessing of the Lord. May God, the author of all wisdom, fill you with righteous wisdom to live in this unrighteous world and change it for the better. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.